Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. Today's guest is Dr. Lev Goldentouch. I got connected to Dr. Lev thanks to a previous guest, Dr. Jonathan Levy. Dr. Lev Goldentouch finished his PhD in machine learning and information theory when he was 27 years old. Understanding of similarity of machine learning and human super learning allowed him to learn immense amounts of knowledge in many technological and cognitive subjects. Immediately afterwards, he opened up a consulting company which offers its services to highly skilled individuals, agile startups, and technological giants like Samsung. Lev published several books and articles on various technical and cognitive subjects, creativity, and languages. His blog is keytostudy.com. In this episode, we cover interesting steps into deciding what to learn about, having the ability to adjust your speed on reading depending on what you're reading, different memory hacks like having a mental palace, productivity reading methods, and more. During our call, there were a little bit of technical difficulties, so you'll, as you'll hear these clips, it'll be more like different clips about the different topics we covered. Nonetheless, I hope you enjoy today's episode and it gives you a start to discover best ways for you to learn and how to adjust the ways you learn with different types of things you're reading. For more show notes, please go to SolomonEzra.com. Thanks. Kind of asking about the digital overload. This, uh, this is more a myth than a true thing. Uh, people choose what they want to do. If they want to be overloaded or not to be overloaded, you you have the choice. Could you repeat that? I didn't uh, hear fully. You have a, and I think it's a good starting point. We have a a choice to allow the information to kind of overload or overwhelm us. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that we can easily control. And what kind of tips? How would you suggest? Uh, controlling that well uh, first of all you need to measure which information is overloading you like um, make cost uh, efficiency analysis what kind of information is taking your focus and how important this information is wow can we dive a little more into that I really like that I'm it's it's it sounds very similar to stuff things that I have been I like to you know first of all put things on paper and see where my attention is going, the different things I place it on. And, and because there's a lot of information nowadays and so many things, you know, I want to read about or listen about or, or listen to, excuse me, or people to look into what are they doing um, to learn from, how do, can, can you dive a little bit more into, it can get a little overwhelming. I will say it doesn't overwhelm me as much anymore, like you said, because you have a choice. And I came up with systems or, or have created a focus 
for like a month per se or, or a day, what am I gonna, what do I wanna learn about today or this month? And it really helps sift through and decide what I really, what's most important, what I want to listen to. But can you share, can you dive into that more? How to... Um, so this has to do with productivity and goal settings. You first of all need to define goals that are um, consecutive to your personal values. I mean, you should analyze what makes you tick. Your goals should in some way. Once you do that, you can divide the milestones, and then you can um, allow the information to come in things that um, somehow correlate to the milestones that you have. And if you have information that you don't need values and your goals, and then place that on what's most in, important to you, and then that bring that down to like a an area of focus. What's the most important stuff to learn? And that, that that lines up. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like that, but uh, I don't really believe in focusing on just one thing. We can do like uh, three high priority tasks and uh, about seven lower priority tasks uh, about um, the same week. So you can uh, you can actually choose each moment which of the tasks you want to work with. It depends on your focus, on your energy levels, and so on. So it's just basic productivity. I teach it in my speed reading course. Is your speed reading course the same one uh, like you're doing? You got you put, you kind of work together with Jonathan? No, no, no. It's uh, my own thing. One of the things I'd like to, as we've been talking about a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit about yourself and how you really got into learning about how to learn and how to learn best for you and how others learn best for themselves and then also learning quicker uh sifting through information like we a little touched on in the beginning and being able to um choose not to get overwhelmed by information and how to create the area of focus and be able to do learn it quicker and with more comprehension First of all, I use smaller sentences. If a sentence becomes just as long as your latest introduction, it's very hard to follow it. Okay. So I really, I really try to use shorter sentences. This is something which, uh, which uh, I discussed with Anna when she just started. Her sentences were very long and the students used to lose uh, attention during her sentences. So uh, we had some training where they had to make shorter sentences and it really helped. Well, can, can you, sh I, <laughs> I, you could probably tell already, but I feel like that's something uh, I, I would love to work on. Um, I, I tend, I'd like to give a lot of details. Can you, can you offer some tips with that? How can I improve my, my speech my, to shorten my sentences so it's more concise? It's, it's very simple. Um, most of the things that you want to describe are like uh, three words, like a trigram of, for example, person doing connection with an object or something like that. Then you add two more details or three more details and uh, everything else is like embellishing the sentence. So it can be thrown away later. And this is the same way we use for understanding what we read. 
Now, uh, once you have this uh, six bullets, it's uh, a bullet that you can put in any presentation, and you can put up to six uh, such bullets on one page of a presentation. Six words, you said? Six bullets of six words, yes. Okay. So basically, when you start formulating your thoughts into presentation, it kind of becomes bullets, and with time, it becomes very natural for you. And then you just uh, do not uh, show more than uh, one bullet, and you definitely do not open with more than one page. I'd, I'd like to uh, back up for a second. Now, is this like shortening sentences for presentations or in general when I'm speaking to somebody, like, or on like this podcast, for example, when I'm speaking to you? This is a general advice which is taught through presentation. Presentation is a method to focus on specific needs and see them in front of you. It's like a visualization for your issue. Very cool. Can you share an example of how that would be or how, like, for example, things I'm saying, how can we break that down so it's more concise and where the listener or the um, person I'm like you, my um, who I'm interviewing or speaking with, um, it's more direct. Okay, how long was your latest sentence? It was pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so which part of the sentence was really important? You asked me to share this. Now, uh, everything else was uh, kind of repeating the things that we already discussed. Uh -huh. Do you actually need them to add more information to our conversation? If so, maybe you need to put them as different sentences. If not, maybe you can skip them altogether. Okay. So you can just ask, can you please share? And you can uh, say, well, our listeners want something very specific if you really know your audience and so on. Mm -hmm. So you kind of define uh, short sentences with like um, three meaningful words in each sentence, a couple of details, and everything else is um, embellishment. Interesting. I'd love to to I'd love to dive in and, and really be able to take something like that and I'm sure it takes practice. It's you, uh, really easy. You can do it in one day. This is something which can be taught in one day. <laughs> Let's. How did you get into um, learning things faster? Well, I kind of married into it. Um, when I completed my PhD, I actually started to learn. Before it, I was working on my degrees and so and stuff like that. So I was more interested in uh, getting the accreditations and actually learning. And I really started to learn after getting my PhD. I was quite young at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the PhD in? Sorry, electronical engineering. I got my PhD when I was twenty-five years old. Very, very impressive. And so while you were learning this, you were you very passionate about electrical engineering that you just wanted to no. absorb information more? No, 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 no. It was very boring. 
Now, the idea was that uh, I need to get some sort of a practical degree first. Okay. And once I get this degree, I can do whatever I want. So once I completed my um, to-do list, I was open to try new things. And then I actually started learning. And um, I uh, tried different methods and some of them worked and some of them failed. Occasionally I mentioned this on my blog. And then when I was 30 years old, I met Anna. And uh, Anna was already working with uh, speed reading and memorization techniques. And she had a course which was quite long, like 150 hours long. So it took us a couple of years to build that into uh, what we have right now. So was she already, she was already doing a course herself or she was already like, uh, she was interested in it? And you, she was teaching. She was teaching about it. And yeah. so, so when, so you and her are married and she helped you kind of learn about it and now you teach it as well. Well, uh, I'm a practitioner. I've, I still think that the best, uh, the best um, way you can learn it is with Anna. I'm not, uh, I'm wow. not as good as Anna is. So she's, uh, she's the one to learn from. So, uh, I'm just we'll have, we'll have to have another uh, <laughs> a conversation with her when she's back on vacation <laughs> from vacation. You're definitely not paying enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do your and Anna's um, speed reading and speed learning and memory courses differ um, from other ones? Uh, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, um, science. Uh, kind of disproves that you can read very fast and very accurate. And this is because to achieve this, you need to be very precise and to have a very long training schedule. Otherwise, uh, you will not be good at it. So if you do not follow a very precise schedule, you will read fast, but you will not remember what you are reading. And this is what scientists come up in most of their studies. What, so, are, they, what are these different science, uh, what, are, what, are, what are they testing? What are they doing research on? On how like eye movement, how the brain works and what ways we improve our memory or how we boost comprehension? There are many scientists and they do very different researches. It's not, uh, it's not like there is just one scientist which is yeah. doing crazy stuff. This is a huge area of psychology called cognitive psychology and there are many people working in this area and they're working with fMRI to see which areas of brain react to different things. And there are other people who are improving their memories and uh, there are different memory championships and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there are many different communities which, uh, which are very active and uh, if you want, you can join them, they're quite open. Very nice. So how long is your uh, course and does it focus on all of these areas or is there a specific one for speed reading, another one for boosting memory? Well, um, this is, um, which course do you refer to? Uh, what we usually do is give the cheapest course that we have to a person, just to understand what is, uh, what is the uh, way in front of him. 
And then if the person can afford one-on-one -on -one with Anna, it's the best way to go. The meetings are twice a month. Uh, they are via Skype, so you don't have to go anywhere. And they are one hour long. And then we kind of guide you into the best schedule for you and select the best techniques for you to learn. And each person is getting very specific techniques which are suitable for him. Wow. For example, like people get mind maps and people who are more artistic get mental policies and stuff like that. Say that um, who gets mind maps and who gets the, um, I, I didn't hear the other part. Engineers and programmers get mind maps. And uh, almost everybody else gets mental palaces. What's a mental palace? A mind palace or a mental palace is like uh, a building where you put your visualizations in and then you create uh, an itinerary within. Uh, you should really interview my friend and colleague Anthony Mativier about it. He's very passionate about mental policies and he can talk about it for months. Non-stop. How did, so when I was talking with Jonathan Levy, very awesome to be able to speak with him as well. He was sharing a, a great experience and how he got to meet you guys and how he met you like on a train uh, as he was learning to, um, you know, learn faster himself in his uh, master's courses. I'd love to hear your side of it and, and what, on, when you have a, a young kid come up to you guys and start building that relationship, how did you guys know that you'd be able to help, help him learn, help him grow? Well, we kind of tried and hoped for the best. <laughs> it, I didn't expect it to be such a huge success. I'm yeah. still quite shocked from, from the experience. It was, um, at that point, we kind of uh, had a, a very small following of uh, very loyal students which uh, would come and which would learn with us. And Jonathan uh, was not uh, one of the students. I actually worked with him in a VC company. And um, I understood that he has uh, very high marketing skills and he wanted to learn Nana's technique. So I said, okay, why not? And then he said, well, I think I can market that. And uh, I said, well, you're welcome. Let's see what comes out of it. And the rest is history. How early did you start teaching the kids all this speed learning and memory techniques? I bet they're pros at it by now. No, it's just uh, the other way around. We try not to do it too early. Um, my wife uh, kind of gave them uh, small advices about uh, how to remember things, some small mnemonic techniques. But we definitely do not push them with speed reading and uh, instead we push them with the other skills that will help them in their life, like music, for example, and uh, athletic activities. Yeah. There are many different skills which are correlated with success and IQ and stuff like that. And um, speed reading per se is more suitable for uh, people which are a little bit older and uh, already well established in their industry. Like, um, I prefer to do it as graduate students, but it is okay to do it with students. 
and we can go down to 13 years old, but it's not really very good. It's not as effective. Mm -hmm. So in, in my experience, I did a, a 21 day long speed reading course. It was very beneficial. I boosted my speed, my, my reading of words per minute to like 230 to like 800 or so. But I found it, what it really helps with is when I'm reading like a fiction book. So like I just finished reading a Life of Pi and I'm able to go through the pages very quickly and it's like the words are jumping off as images. However, when it comes to a nonfiction book, it's not as quick or the information, it's like I want to slow down. Can you share some tips on when it comes to reading a, a nonfiction book or like a textbook? How to really, like, is there any kind of um, work to do ahead of time before reading the book? Like, should there always be like a purpose before you're reading and, and some questions to ask ahead of time? Uh, did, did you actually take uh, one of my courses? I did and not take one of your courses. I took it from a, uh, another online speed reading course. It was actually a month ago. All right, sorry, a year ago. I did a uh, speed reading course, if you're familiar well, with Jim Quick. I heard the name, but I never took his course or analyzed his material. Um, the idea is uh, everyone can speed read a fiction book. It is not that important because this is not what we do to become more productive. The idea is to learn better. That's why my uh, site, my brand is key to study. If you need to learn something which is meaningful, then the path is more complex. And uh, here the specific techniques that Anna developed really starts to shine. For stuff uh, that's meaningful? Yeah, for uh, stuff that is productive, uh, like the things that you do at work or the things that you do for actually developing a new skill or getting some qualifications that you need. This is the stuff that really helps people. There is no return on investment in reading fiction. It's something that you do for fun and it doesn't matter how fast you read because what matters is how much you enjoy it. Actually, I suggest to slow read fiction to enjoy the language. Fast reading is uh, needed for other skills and different sets of information require different sorts of uh, quick reading. So in um, my personal speed reading course, I kind of start from different kinds of reading and only then go to honest speed reading. We couldn't do it on a shorter course, so we just put the specific uh, speed reading that Anna is doing with people just to focus it to the bare minimum. But if you take my masterclass, then you will see that there are actually many different kinds of reading. And uh, it's really productive, it is best to combine them. What now, are the, can you share the different kinds of uh, reading? I, I'm, I'm thinking there's, you know, fiction and then nonfiction, okay. maybe some so, online materials. No, no, not this direction. The direction is like technical reading. Uh, there are methods like skimming, where you just focus on specific words that come out to you. 
uh, scanning where you kind of go very fast through the page and uh, things uh, come to you automatically. Um, there is a speed reading like uh, we do with uh, Anna in a bigger course that we have. Uh, there is slow reading for different purposes. Like if you want to learn poetry, there is no meaning in speed reading poetry. You you need something else. You need to read it actually slowly. Okay. Uh, there are reading with uh, subvocalization to remember stuff better and to hear the poetry within and music within, and reading without subvocalization to read faster and so on. You you need to choose your strategy and your tactics, and both are important. So how do you um, decide what? Yeah, decide before you're gonna embark on a new reading material, whether it's uh, a, any type of book, what, what do, do you sit down and decide beforehand? Like you said, clearly for a poet, for a poet, poem, excuse me, you're, it's better to read it slowly and gather what the real meaning of each word is. Um, but when it comes to other work, other works, a novel, uh, a biography, uh, an online article, what do you, um, how do you determine what's the best way to go about it? Kind of like a golfer deciding what club to use. Well, uh, usually it's uh, not uh, like golf. It's, um, let us take a use case. For example, you need to research something. Okay. Then you put a question in Google and you have many, many different answers come out for, for your search. Then you go through the answers and you kind of scheme them. In each answer, you look for specific keywords which allow you to make a more elaborate question or to decide if you want to read this article or you do not want to read this article. If you decide that the article is interesting, you open it in a different tab and you continue with the questions. Once you have enough tabs open, you go into a specific tab and you scan the text. You uh, page through the text very, very fast, just understand to which extent this text is important and which aspects of what interests you are within the text. If it's not important and you do not think you will learn from it anything, you close the page. So you stay only with the pages that will really contribute to you. Then you speed read each of these pages. And you use full speed reading uh, technique with a high rate of accuracy. And then you kind of review what you learned and understand that you need to focus on some specific idea or specific formulation or specific paragraph. So you go to that paragraph and you can slow read it to enjoy it or to learn it better or to think about specific formulation and so on. This is a basic strategy. You come to a different source of information and you generate a strategy which combines different methods. About with choosing a book to read, something you want to go dive further into, do you research a little bit about it beforehand to decide if it's something you really want to read or not? 
To be honest, I do not really read books uh, anymore. There are so many good articles that uh, I uh, kind of uh, take uh, article size information. Uh, probably after you read like uh, 5,000 books, it just stops being interesting. Because they're all very similar or why? Smaller pieces of information, like specific aspects, which are not covered in their books, but in a section of a book or in a scientific article. Like you ask very focused questions and there is not, no book which can answer that question. So you just need to make your own book. But before I got to this stage, I, uh, I was asking a generic question, like uh, I want to learn some new area and uh, what is the best book in this area? So I, I would uh, research it for like, um, well, I read very fast, so it would be like 10 minutes till I would get like three best books uh, in this area. Then I would download the books in online format from Amazon. I usually read online and I would just go through those books and um, then I would analyze what else I need and uh, and then I would focus on specific areas. Very cool. So what it, when you were, like you mentioned a little bit in there, uh, a lot of the things specific to an individual that wants to learn something, <laughs> write your own book. Can you share, do you have any uh, tips on writing a book faster, maybe even? <laughs> like, uh, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your two books, The, the Key to Study Skills and Become a Super Learner. Well, uh, my first books were poetry books. Um, I wrote them before I met Anna. Now, um, the books that I uh, wrote for key to study are uh, very, um, very strange for me because uh, the first book simply came from all those questions that I had to answer on my blog and uh, on the online courses. And uh, I kind of started to repeat myself and uh, the information was not sufficiently structured. So I decided I want to take everything and structure it. Now it went to two, two directions. Uh, Jonathan wanted to publish what we have as soon as we have it. So he published a super learner book and uh, I took more time and organized more information. And I published the key to study book, which is a little bit uh, more detailed and more advanced. And uh, it's, uh, it's very different in uh, style and in look and in feel than the super learner book. So these are those two books. And then I started writing scripts for the online courses, which I later recorded. And now I'm waiting for the editing, uh, which takes years. It literally takes years for the video editing to, to complete all of the stuff that I recorded. It takes years, you said? Yes. Wow. I have like um, more than 100 hours of uh, video, which is ready for video editing. And the video editor is uh, the bottleneck of this particular project. But now I completed everything that I wanted to record on a, on a video. So I'm kind of looking for a new media to discuss and 
to discuss the methodology and to express my creativity. Very cool. Do you and uh, Anna also teach how to um, learn different things like languages or instruments uh, as well? Instruments, uh, you mean musical instruments? Yes. Instruments are very hands-on activities and they're very specific. Um, I'm not teaching that and um, it's it's uh, so specific that I do not know if uh, if you can generate something which is uh, generic. For example, guitar is very different from bass. And if you take uh, electronic music or classical music, they're very, very different in uh, all of the aspects. So I do not really know how to teach that. And uh, there are many good uh, master classes on specific music, uh, guitar for yeah. jazz and stuff like that. So you can just take a master class with the real master and focus on it. Uh, I didn't see there my uh, own market niche. And uh, in a similar way, uh, languages are, um, there are many good people which are teaching languages. So if you want to learn languages, I usually say that Anthony is doing better job than I am. This is the second time that I'm mentioning Anthony Metivier. You really should talk to the guy. He he's he's very cool, and uh, he's my personal friend and colleague. So uh, if uh, if I want languages, I uh, send to him or to some other guys which I collaborate with. Very cool. I like what you mentioned earlier um, when talking about your wife and the training you guys do, and how you know it's it's really personalized for each person can you dive a little bit into the training uh the one-on-one -on -one training with your wife how what how long is it what does it look like how would we kind of start because i'm interested in doing that at some time well i usually i suggest to do it during the third week of your independent learning when you have established a routine of daily practice and you start making mistakes. Most people do start making mistakes. Now you can uh, learn memory quite easily without one-on-one, -on -one, but if you want to learn speed reading, uh, coaching is uh, really recommended because there are just so many things that can go wrong that uh, uh, I think that we have about 60% uh, success rate with our speed reading without the coaching and 95% with the coaching. It's, it's really that important. What does the, so with the coaching, it just really dives into the specific person's needs and what they need help with? Well, there, there is more than one. still a very good uh, completion rate. Yeah, there are many ways to do something. And there are many different uh, pitfalls which can be easily diagnosed by someone who is experienced. It's uh, like you can try to ride a horse, but if you ride a horse without the proper coaching, you probably will fall and learn uh, some uh, stupid things. 
In a similar way, speed reading is a kind of demanding activity, and someone who knows how to how to read your eyes and your lips and stuff like that really can help. For example, when you speed read, your eyes move in a specific way, and Anna knows how to follow this movement. And if something is wrong, she's uh, diagnosing it. Or for example, when a person is uh, reading, he's marking the words that he decided to remember. And uh, I ask the person to send what he marks to me and then I give my feedback in writing and this really helps. Wow, so, so you guys aren't just teaching the, the skills and how to actually speed read, you're actually, you're there with the person, is that what I, cut like you you would your your wife anna would watch how like my finger moves across the page and how my eyes are moving definitely wow and so if you if you're doing that over the phone i would be practicing reading and she would be watching how my eyes move or you would be doing some kind of eye exercise um uh, i'm not the one doing it anna is doing it I'm just uh, answering emails, so I will probably ask you to send me the words that you mark when you read, which markers are your anchor markers that you must remember, and which are the details which are added, how you group them into trigrams, and how you select the innovative words. Do you have some kind of conditioning that you select uh, words at the beginning or at the end? Uh, do you really know how to filter out the really relevant words and stuff like that? Interesting. Wow, there's a lot in there, but I, I definitely like the uh, individual approach that you're saying you guys take because uh, there are different ways, like you said, to get to um, where you want to go. Um, I'd love to hear what kind of ha habits you think are very necessary um, for somebody my age in addition to learning these different skills how can how can you keep up the um the learning because also you know you, you can't just do it and then give it up you have to be able to sustain it um well uh of course uh, what age are you talking about when let's go with uh 20s 20s in 20s, you discover what kind of person you are and what kind of things you want. So you really want uh, to stumble upon as many things as you can and have a wide range of interests. At the same time, you have to complete your degrees and get your diplomas right just to get the first internship as the first work that you really want to get. So these needs are kind of contradictory. And to do that, we define different goals in a way that covers all those needs in the right priorities. For example, if your priority right now is to get a certain degree, then you can uh, read uh, other stuff when you are not working on your degree. Now, uh, the biggest mistake people do at your age is not sleeping enough. Mm -hmm. The information goes from the short-term memory to the long-term memory when we sleep. And if we do not sleep enough, we will need to repeat the same information all over uh, several times before it gets to us. So uh, as long as we sleep more than we need 
few repetitions. Um, meditation is very good advantage because it releases, um, there is a lot of mental noise when you are 20 years old of different kinds. Mm -hmm. And meditation kind of allows you to treat this mental noise. Uh, you definitely need to watch what you are eating. Uh, young people tend to eat a lot of junk food, which is not very good for you. Um, there is some kind of conviction that nootropics uh, can really change your life and you should really be careful with them. There are different kinds of nootropics. Some of them work simply like coffee and there is no issue with that. And some of them can really make a damage. And the best nootropics that I know are simple vitamins like uh, omega and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's really important to understand which nootropics you are taking and uh, it maybe not take them at all or take the nootropics which are kind of uh, general purpose helping stuff like uh, uh, food supplements and stuff like that. Which nootropics aren't generally uh, the best to take or is that an individual kind of thing as well? I, I have it somewhere on keto study. Usually I'm talking about uh, vitamins like uh, vitamin C, vitamin B, magnesium, um, maybe some ginkgo biloba or something like that. Mm, definitely omega and stuff like that. It's uh, just food supplements. Quite healthy and if you overdose or take it and you don't need it, your body will simply excrete it. Um, there are things that you shouldn't take, like calcium, which can change your body balance and stuff like that. And there is caffeine, which is uh, fine if you really need it for the things that you are doing. Uh, it's okay to drink six cups of coffee a day. It's not a big problem. So you can take coffee if you want. Six? Well, uh, the science about it is uh, kind of confusing. We know that uh, below a third cup of coffee, every dose of caffeine only helps. Between three and six cups, uh, there is a consensus that uh, the situation is good and there are no damages. Above six cups, there is a controversy. There were several studies of people drinking up to 20 cups of uh, coffee per day without any negative effects. That's so, incredible. Which part? <laughs> how somebody could drink 20 cups. How, how can that not affect sleep? There must also be like a really, you know, there's so many different positive and negative uh, studies on uh, coffee. It just seems like it's a very individual thing as well. Um, this is controversial, and uh, I do not um, I do not make all of the studies. This is not my PhD area. From uh, what I understand, the issue is that the more coffee you drink, the better your body is dealing with the adverse effects of the coffee, and uh, you actually need uh, more coffee. Um, when I drink a lot of coffee, then I need uh, to drink coffee before I go to sleep. Usually I do not like that because it is uh, causing me heartburn. 
So I reduce the dosage to six cup of coffees, but um, it's it's not a big deal. If you don't have any negative effects, you can drink as much coffee as you really need. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. I am telling you the advice that I am giving to my boys. Uh, first of all, I am uh, teaching them to to do the things that they love and to be fully present when they do them, which is kind of fun. Then I want them to focus on uh, return on investment. I mean, if they really do something and invest their time in something, they should earn something back from it. They should acquire something which is uh, really positive and important. And everything else is just technique. Very cool. Well, Dr. Lev, uh, something I like to ask my guests at the end of uh, the show is, what gift, what is your gift you'd like to share with the world? I prefer that uh, everybody would be a positive influence on the world and on the people around them. This would be quite cool. And uh, everything beyond that is just a bonus. I think that's a, that's a great answer and honestly one of the best ones I've heard. So you answered it perfectly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, especially, um, like you said earlier, you don't normally take the time to speak with other people, but it's been a pleasure to get in, introduced to you and to learn about the different speed reading and the, uh, everything memory learning that you and your wife get into. And I hope to maintain uh, communication because I'd love to learn sometime in the near future when it lines up perfectly with my priorities and my values to, to learn one-on-one uh, -on -one with you and your wife. And I also look forward to connecting with your friend um, you mentioned, um, Anthony. Uh, but again, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. Sure, thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.